Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, and I am speaking to you from Southern California. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood, and I am the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I'm coming to you from Harlem, and it's a mild day here after several days of rain. Hi, I'm Seth Rodney. I am a senior editor at Hyperallergic and the author of a recent book, The Personalization of the Museum Visit. I am coming to you from the South Bronx, and I can say I'm glad to be alive. I had the yellow fever vaccine shot uh, on Monday and went to work out and thought I was going to die, but I didn't. Mm. So, um, yay for me. Glad you didn't die. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is to remind our (laughs) listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Um, I was just in New York, actually, um, and I did a reading for the American Age um, at a bar called the KGB Bar and actually had a chance to see Seth. I didn't get a chance to to connect with Stephen when I was out there, but... um, I'm trying to turn myself towards the holiday mood um, since we're coming into the season. Um, Mm -hmm. Our topic is – so we're going to introduce our topic for this week and then uh, next week we're going to break or format once again uh, to talk about what we call unlucky days. So, you know, maybe stick around for that um, when when you come back next week and then we'll pick the conversation up about they after that. So um, the topic, as I just gave away, is – the pronoun they. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what prompted, well, I guess we had, all of us had kind of kicked around the idea of doing this a couple months ago. And then I was in New York, uh, uh, like not too long after that. And, and mm-hmm. Stephen and Seth and I had a chance to to sit and, and have share drinks and, and have a conversation in person rather than over the internet. And the topic came up again, and we had a, a really, for me, it was a, a really fruitful conversation around the topic, um, facilitated primarily by Stephen, because um, I think Seth and I were kind of playing in the same general territory with it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so we, I don't know, and we're not going to necessarily recreate that conversation. That's not what this is about. But, you know, <laughs> we, I think we'll have some things to say. So uh, Stephen or Seth, wh- whoever wants to, you know, kind of jump in. To the topic first, please, you know, uh, <laughs> please do. I always love the way you set things up. I always go, I'm ready, I'm ready. And then when you're, when you're about that, at the last <laughs> word, at the end of the last word, I go, so what am I going to say? Oh, Actually, okay, what would I say? Okay, this is what I would say, you know. Um, and it's all within milliseconds. And so, Seth, do you want to? Because I can, or I can defer? I'll, I'll follow your lead. Okay, cool. So I think one of the most profound, Useful things to me in terms of talking about they or or trans or gender fluidity, these kinds of things, these um gender gender ideas. Steven, hmm? I, I don't I don't mean to interrupt, but I just realized I I should we should say what exactly we're talking about around mm-hmm. this issue because it's there is a small possibility that people will not know that like sort of the dust up around this. So can you briefly glo- I'm sorry, can you briefly just gloss like what the they thing is all about, and then and then please continue. Well, that's funny because they for me is a refuse a refuting of a masculine or gender. I mean, a masculine or a feminine um, uh, role, right, or an mm-hmm. identity, or it could be both. So mm-hmm. that's how I see they. 
you know, but gender identity and gender roles are very different. You know, it's the personal conceptualization mm-hmm. as one mm-hmm. self as male or female or both or neither, right? This identity mm-hmm. thing. And so, but, um, but, 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 so I'd interrupt. Um, but mm-hmm. I think, right I think, I think it's a, it's a key issue. It's not just about the self conceptualization, um, by the individual, but it's also about how the individual is identified publicly. Right. So this is why mm-hmm. we get, uh, pronouns in, uh, email, uh, mm-hmm. now, right. right. Like, like mm-hmm. she, her, like, what are your preferred right, pronouns? Like right. the co, the conversation is about, and this is why it's so key, I think, and which is why I think we're going to talk about it mm-hmm. is that it's, it's, it's this meeting place. It, these ways of talking about the self come into the public lexicon. Mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. the at the meeting place of the way an individual thinks about him or herself or 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 their self or their self yeah and how they are publicly identified so they're not they're not the same thing but they but they but they they kind of cross each other on the Venn diagram I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I think I always start from the personal from where the person mm-hmm. begins mm-hmm. in terms of the way I think about gender identity do you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I want and I think so I want to ask you guys this and I'll, I'll start with my own expre- my own experience with it the first time someone ever asked me what was my gender pronoun I was uh, given a talk at a Princeton? No, Brown. I was at Brown mm-hmm. and I was in, you know, I gave my talk and then I went to a poetry class and people were going around saying their names and mm-hmm. what is your gender pronoun? This was 2014. And I mm. remember thinking, no one's ever asked me that before. And I remember when it got to me, I was like, wow, okay. I mean, he, yay, you know, he, his, mm-hmm. him. And, but I was struck by the diversity in the room. And this is a college campus, so that's not surprising that people are, you know, thinking about these kinds of things. But mm-hmm. when was the first time someone ever asked you about your gender pronoun? What you know, what your preferred gender pronoun was? Do you remember? Oh, me. Um, yeah. Or has Anything. it happened? <laughs> um, it, well, that's the thing. It it hasn't. What what happened was, it happened implicitly. Okay. I was teaching a class at Parsons. And people, I, it it never, it just did not occur to me, even though it was in the air that people had essentially adopted a language that recognized the fluidity of gender. Because mm-hmm. right? we're talking about recognition, I think. Right. Um, I hadn't, honestly, I hadn't really thought about it deeply. And then I was teaching a class at Parsons, I think it was a year ago or two years ago. And... Uh, I didn't ask anyone what their gender pronoun was, but some mm-hmm. people volunteer. I think I'm, I may be conflating two experiences here because um, okay. uh, I, my recollection isn't clear. But I think what happened was at some point I was referring to a student whose name is well, doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. uh, she she looked to me. She uh, what's the word? appeared to be a woman and Mm -hmm. i said how are we going to help out um blank do her uh uh whittle down Mm -hmm. her research question because there's a research methodologies class so i was dealing with uh uh, research methods and methodologies and she kind of angrily said my pronoun is they could you refer to me as they and i was like oh 
okay. I didn't, I said okay. And it, but it took me aback because I, I hadn't ever experienced someone somewhat angrily demanding that I recognize them by the, and now I remember the first time I'd really dealt with it. The first time I dealt with it in conversation with someone, and I remember struggling with, with this, um, was the, I think it was a few months prior. I had run into an ex-colleague of mine from Hyperallergic, Jillian Steinhauer, who now occasionally writes for the New York Times and other publications. But we had gone to see, both gone to see a performance by a perform, a, an artist named Castles. I think that's K C A S I L S Castles, and they identify by the A, and I didn't know that at the time until I got there. And then we were talking about so Castles appears to be a woman, but um, to my eyes, um, but they identify differently, uh, mm-hmm. and and they have worked out a kind of um, their bodies so much that. They do, uh, like, to my eyes, uh, appear as almost intersex. Right? So it okay. could be could be man, it could be woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was talking with Jillian Steinhauer about castles, and Jillian did it fluid, flawlessly. She was like, "They did they that they," and I was like, uh, "Her, I mean, they." And uh, I'm sorry, uh, like I was completely flummoxed, not because I had some internal guardrail against uh, mm-hmm. recognizing the gender that castles had claimed for themselves, but because I have an internal guardrail against bad grammar. Bad mm-hmm. grammar just sucks for me. I, I, I hear okay. I hear it and it just sounds off. It's like it's like a singer singing off key. Like it just it just don't sound right. So yeah. I was struggling yeah. with that. And okay. And that's where I, 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 well, I, you know, clearly in this conversation, I've done better at this. I've, I've um, mm-hmm. figured out a way to be comfortable with it, but I was deeply uncomfortable from the start. Yeah. Yeah. So that I'm, I'm with you on that as well, because I take care in trying to speak in complete sentences and paragraphs Indeed. and, Indeed. um, and will say, and, you know, took time um, in my attempts to communicate to reprogram myself to say, you know, she or he, him or herself, because I wanted to, you know, when I was coming up in the, you know, sort of in cutting my teeth on uh, uh, critical theoretical philosophy, which is where Mm -hmm. all this stuff comes out of, it was, you know, making sure to be inclusive of, women when right. you're talking about you know like accomplishments mm-hmm. or assuming you know assuming the um whatever a stranger happens to do it wasn't you know that's that's laudable wasn't automatically assuming that person was a man so mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's absolutely a reflexive um hesitation about using uh the th- uh, third person plural in that way mm-hmm. so he, here's the thing, though. Uh, I mm. I have zero – if someone uh, – and I'm going to use an analogy not to um, demean the use of they, but just to just really make my point. If someone in a, in a 
in a setting, in, an, in a one-on-one conversation or even a public setting, said, my preferred pronoun is ger. I would do my best to mm-hmm. call them ger, you know, if I, as, 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 as well as I was able to do that. Now, I'm not diminishing they by saying that. What I'm saying is that if, if, a, if another human tells me that they prefer to be addressed a particular way, mm-hmm. I will do my best to address them that way. And any failure to address them that way is not a rejection of their place in the world, and it's, I'm not impugning anything about them. Mm-hmm. It's just my own inelegance with the language at that moment in time. But can I... And, uh, uh, well, go ahead. Oh, oh, go ahead, And And so I find, like, someone like Jordan Peterson that wants to like sort of aggressively reject the idea oh, yeah. of using this stuff like that. So that's not an argument I would make, right? I don't like, it's fine, you know, and there's no, re- there's no reason to, um, to wall that off because clearly there are people that are figuring their gender out and what that means and figuring out their place in the world and language is a big part of that. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have an issue with that. But I, I do have an issue with people that are not generous about their desire to be referred to in an atypical way and their aggression towards other people that are incapable of doing that well. Well, I want to add the caveat to what you said uh, because I think it is necessary you will make the earnest attempt to address a human being in the way that they want to be addressed if you take seriously their request for such address. So mm-hmm. in other words, if, someone, if you get the sense that someone's just playing with you, they're like, yeah, yeah, my preferred pronoun is... Mephistopheles, like, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to necessarily go along. You have to, that's right. You have to read yeah. them as being, as earnestly wanting this kind of but who, specific who, address. Whose call is that, though? You're, you're, it's your call to say that a person can't refer to him, her, they, or whatever manifestation of themselves. They want to be called this way. If you feel like they're fucking with you, Mm. How is that still your call, though, even if you might be completely wrong, regardless if it's aggressive mm-hmm. or frustrating? Mm-hmm. Because there's mm-hmm. there's a bit of a car crash going on here with this whole gender identification thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a car crash. It's in the class. It's w- when you're meeting with someone and, you're, and, and they're like, I'm right. sorry, I'm him. I'm him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a car crash that we need to pay particularly clo- close attention to. Like mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. about us makes us feel uncomfortable? You were with the grammar, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, um, Seth. And I think the most people, the Peterson argument, or not the Peterson, um, Jordan Peterson. People like Jordan Peterson flatly out reject it. They just sort of right. like this makes right. no sense to me, and right. I have no space for it. I have no love right. for it. Right. And so I like that little car crash there. I do. Yeah. It's just that when we can't. I like what what you're saying, Travis, about the being generous, right? Mm -hmm. You try Mm -hmm. your best to address them in the way that they would like to be addressed, Mm -hmm. which I think is a human, the best of what a human can do, because it Mm -hmm. is something that has been like in the background, I think, forever, right? So Mm -hmm. this isn't a new idea. It's just that Mm -hmm. we're finding language for it and that we are, we're not even finding language for it. We are insisting that this language this, this this become a part of the public conversation. There is right. a yeah. lot of 
anger and frustration with people that I have that I know personally that are just dismissive of it. I don't understand it, but I'm thinking, don't you remember? It's a primordial argument. I mean, not argument, but just an idea of how we're gendered. Yeah, and now we so have to I, deal I, with I, this. <laughs> so I, I'll, let me respond to, to two things that you brought up. So A, I, I think whose call is it? I think it's my call in that okay. moment Agreed. to make that to me because, Agreed. because that's what an inner, that's what a, a sort of an interaction between mm. another human being is about. It's that negotiation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I do, th- I know a lot of humans and I do think that, mm-hmm. I, I mean, so where I think, and let me, uh, where Jordan Peterson and I think those people fall down mm-hmm. is that they don't have a sufficient imagination to understand that this is what happens when you've got 6 billion people in the world. It is right. absolutely true that our biology predisposes us to mm-hmm. being male or female, like that just mm-hmm. statistically. But when, so, but there is a significant, or there's a there's a very small percentage of, mm-hmm. of human beings that for a variety of reasons cannot easily identify with their social or biological construct, right? And so, but mm. multiply that, multiply that very tiny percentage by 6 billion people and you get a whole lot of people that cannot easily identify with their biological and social gender construct. I would say so, the caveat such, is here, though, so, mm-hmm. that it isn't a small, it isn't a small um, amount of people percentage. I think that that, that's not what- It's a small percentage. It's a, I, it's a lot of people in a small percentage. I disagree. Where, where are you getting your arm numbers? So I, I so let let's let's bracket that and there's actually okay. I have a great book by an evolutionary biologist that okay. is, takes very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's coming at it. She was trained as a social scientist and a, and a, and she takes this very seriously. And there are all these stages of development from from fetal mm-hmm. development through puberty in where mm-hmm. your your biological your sex can get fucked up and it can like and, and I'm sorry so like. Not fu- like whatever, like I mean, where where an atypical process can emerge, right? Okay. So there are all these stages where it can happen, like, and there are, and and it absolutely it becomes a biological issue, and then of course you add the mm. social stuff as well, right? I'm not saying that the social is not a very critical part of it. I mean, and we should probably have a podcast on that too, because we historically yes. th- there are all kinds of examples of how how Catholic priests have imagined themselves as women in relation to God in their writing and in their rhetoric and all this stuff. So I, I'm not I'm not bracketing any of it. Mm-hmm. Very good, because I was thinking sex does not inform gender like a straight line. It's not a straight no. line. No, yeah, and not know, at all. Right, that's all I want yeah. to bring up. That's all yeah. I want to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, know Seth, I know Seth was going to jump in with something. So what, Seth, jump in. Well, <laughs> thanks for the invitation. <laughs> it's, it's warm in here. Get, get, your, get your ass in this water. To, in in, in here. this water here. Um, so, um, a couple of things. One is, uh, I think that generosity is a really key term. I think that what we're saying is that, or one of the things we're saying is that we all around the microphone here on this show are willing to be generous to other human beings. And we, and we recognize that underneath that generosity is a more complicated understanding of what constitutes humanity, right? That there are a number of us mm-hmm. who biologically, we can just start there, uh, biologically, like Castor Semania, right? The, the South, is a South African runner? Uh, the, yes. Per, uh, right? Uh, mm. Right? Who right. 
whose gender is just not like visually to me, um, their gender is not apparent, right? And mm-hmm. and she, and he or she has had to go through. I forget how uh, Castor identifies. I I I, mm-hmm. I I may have known at some point, but I don't know. So I'll just refer to Castor um, as Castor. Castor. Uh, has gone through a rigorous process. Oh right? yeah, mm-hmm. by uh, uh, organized sports officials to determine where Castor can run on and under what yeah. one under what uh, gender rubric, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So clearly, there are people in the world who are on this kind of continuum, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. not it's not easy at all to place them. Uh, uh, as either male or female, and and what we're also saying is socially uh, uh, that, and this is where gender begins to separate from sex, right? That gender mm-hmm. is a construct, a social construct, and it mm-hmm. is uh, buttressed. It's uh, made up by both the individual and the surrounding community. And what we're oh, saying is that in our communities. We are very ready to have that conversation, and we're very, very ready to recognize the individual's agency. And I, and I would actually say it is about time. I mean, it's it's strange for me, yes, but having read The Left mm-hmm. Hand of Darkness when I was a kid, mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, Ursula K. Le Guin's mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. science fiction novel, um, what she did with that was made it apparent to me that that to an extent, the, the mm-hmm. ways that we have of cordoning off male and female in our broad Amer- uh, U- United States popular culture are just arbitrary. They're just fucking arbitrary. Like, you know, the whole boys, I would blue, say girls, pink thing. What? I would, say, I would just want to say historical instead of arbitrary. I mean, ultimately, okay. Okay. arbitrary, yes, but... I mean, but we uh-huh. inherit a world in which right. all of those pr- previously arbitrary moments have now right. become the they're way meaningful. of history. No, they, yeah. they're meaningful. Right. Yeah, meaningful. They're, tra- yeah. they're traditions, and yes, yes, and, yeah. and what we're and I think what I would guess that even though Jordan Peterson may not admit to this, that part of his struggle uh, with <laughs> with with they is that he wants to preserve tradition. He believes that there is something useful, something uh, worth fighting for in mm. the inherited uh, human traditions. That, that, you know, and, and there could be a, an argument made for that. There could be. I, I, think, I think there is an argument to be made. I think I don't ultimately agree with it but it's not mm. a ridiculous argument I, and there's two and i and i think steven might might have a response to this so mm. two th- things in order to take peterson's type of position seriously right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. one is a that if the more you raise the level of anxiety about how we are to interact with strangers the more difficult the interaction with strangers becomes. Mm. And so to have traditional markers for how we are to address and regard one another are important uh, handholds in that constant negotiation with people we don't know. That's A. B Mm -hmm. is that just like 
and and I'll change my rhetoric slightly to one that I don't necessarily think, but I think makes the point a little bit better. Just like a bunch of white kids can take black culture and buy it and drive up the price, that is absolutely what is happening culturally right now. A bunch of people that have too much time and too many Twitter followers have decided that they are going to be combative about gender, and it obscures the real struggle for people who are actually legitimately confused. I don't mean confused in a negative way, but I mean are struggling. Let me change the word. Are struggling with their gender identity. And that that's not a funny, fun thing. Like, that's actually... I mean, so think of the runner. I mean, like that, it's mm-hmm. a, that is a real serious struggle. Like, that mm-hmm. is a hard thing to figure out. If you don't mm-hmm. know, like, on one of these sort of baseline continuums of how we parse people, all cultures do it, and you don't know where you land, that's really difficult to make your way in the world. Okay, so I want to say something about Castor Semenya. So when mm-hmm. she identifies Thank you, Castor as, Semenya. Thank you. she goes, "I am the girl from South African, from the South African bush, who's the most okay. powerful runner in the world." So she identifies okay. as a woman. Okay, she, mm-hmm. she is okay. lesbian. She has a partner, Violet Rasaboya, who she okay. married in 2015. Okay. So she's not unclear. Okay, it is the culture around her that is unclear, right? right? right. So there's that. Um, the God, I have so much to say. I just want to go. Um, so I want to say this about the dy- dynamicism of this particular kind of culture. When I was mm. at the Schomburg Center, I was working on the building the In the Life Archive, which was an archive that was created by and about people, for people of African descent who identify as LGBTQ and whatever else mm. configuration comes about mm-hmm. um, that is not heterosexual. That's basically mm-hmm. it. And one mm-hmm. of the most dynamic aspects of that community was the trans community mm. and the ways in which they were thinking about gender, they were moving the needle, they were pushing things, and they were just dusting mm-hmm. up a lot of conversation about who gets to call who what because of being mm-hmm. comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was so little information at that time. There was, um, it was funny because Janet Mock, for example, um, when I was at the Schomburg, she came and I took her to the archive and I kind of showed her what was going on. And I said, take care of your archive because someone won you know, because this is history in the making. Mm-hmm. Here you are, mm-hmm. this this journalist mm-hmm. who has made this amazing splash and you're doing this kind of work, what have you. And she was mm-hmm. really kind of moved by it. And I was just like, over the years, I'll probably check in with you to make sure, or not make sure, but to see how you're managing your archive as mm-hmm. it relates to your own journey. Because it's a very new thing to be, to be caught and captured in culture mm-hmm. and hopefully archived in the future. But that dynamicism... Mm-hmm. I think when I think of tradition, I, immediately, Travis, I thought of um, the Aztecs cutting out the hearts of people. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. wow. and I was like, there's a tradition. I don't wow. need that one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's right. So okay. all traditions can go by the way of the dodo. Unfortunately, the dodo. I'm sorry. Sorry, not, dodo. Not all, tra- not, not not, all not, traditions. No, no, not all traditions. Well, all traditions that we're all develop like you said we're in this experiment we're moving and we're developing i agree with basically everything you guys have said i'm 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 interested in staying and laying in the cut when it comes to how we um we manage how we 
think of ourselves earlier on when you, I forget exactly what you said, Seth, but it was something like, you know, you're thinking about it and it involves other people, but it also involves you and Travis. It involves mm-hmm. our families mm-hmm. and, and in very personal ways that we may not want to get into. But I remember, oh, for example, when I was a kid, I wrote in they in my journal because I was afraid that someone was going to find out that I was, you know, being with, that I was with a guy, right? Mm-hmm. They, right? Yeah. And, and so that language there, and so you guys would have totally hated the grammar of my journals. So, <laughs> um, but, but I have that li- a lifelong fascination with gender and mm-hmm. who gets to say what. I was at a mm-hmm. film recently at the um, uh, Institute of African American Affairs, the Center for Black Visual Culture at NYU. Mm-hmm. We premiered mm-hmm. a film called... Um, in a perfect world. And it was about a, a, a director by the name of Daphne McWilliams who mm-hmm. went around and talked to men who didn't grow up with their fathers or had mm-hmm. contentious relationships with their fathers. Mm-hmm. Almost every single man talked about when they were younger and their father was absent, felt like their vulnerability and their sensitivity came from the fact that they had no father. <laughs> And that they wow. were, you know, adjacent to their mother, right? Wow. And I was like, wow, we are, yeah, you know I mean, this is some serious stuff to pull apart as right. if a man cannot be these things. Or right. they're, do you know what I mean? So it's like in the in, presence of another man, right? Yeah. Right. Or that that right. man would yeah. build that into them, that right. build something else into them that may or may not, do, may not be, right. you know, uh, yeah. about vulnerability or sensitivity. Do you know? Right. So yeah. I was struck by that. And I was like, wow. You know, because men have everything that women have in different levels of it, you know, depending on testosterone, I guess, and all that. But it was still those hard, those, those hard-held beliefs that if I had a man in my life, I'd be more masculine or I'd be more this. Well, I, I want to say something to that, if I may. So I've said a lot of things. So a yeah, quick right. anecdote was <laughs> um, uh, an episode of, um, oh, what's the show with Ira Glass? This American Life, mm-hmm. where they... Uh, surveyed the team that produced This American Life. And this must have been, I don't know, seven, Mm. eight years ago, maybe -hmm. maybe longer. And they measured their, socially, they measured like, not like, they measured the degree to which they were stereotypically masculine. Mm -hmm, mm I.e., all the men and women were measured in terms of how aggressive they were, how, uh, (laughs) how commanding they were, how, how, how much they talked, how much or little they talked about their feelings, la, 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 right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they were scored along a gradient. And mm-hmm. then they actually uh, medically, I think medically, uh, yeah, that's the word, measured the levels of testosterone in all mm-hmm. of them. Okay. And it turns out that it was something, there was an odd twist in that, or an unexpected twist in that, one of the the producers who's a gay man had among the highest levels of testosterone. So mm-hmm. sli- slightly unexpected. But the woman who was like the hard-hitting producer, who was go- the go-getter, the woman who'd like mm-hmm. just get shit done and not look behind, um, she had the highest testosterone level among the women. So there's a way in which it correlated with certain mm-hmm. kinds of... Ideas about masculinity and femininity, femininity, and in ways in which it did not. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. If I uh, so if I can um, uh, piggyback on what Seth just said there, th- I think if I were to have, um, if I were to muster an argument against the prevalence of the pronoun they, and and 
I would not necessarily do that, and I'm not playing it safe. I'm saying I'm actually just undecided where I stand on this. Mm-hmm. I think, but I think that my objection would lie somewhere along the lines of uh, why are our gendered pronouns so constrained? Why are why are the capacities mm-hmm. for what it means to be a he or him or a she or her? Very good point. So mm-hmm. constrained mm. that we cannot that we cannot just be sensitive men that yeah. want to wear dresses. Like, yeah. right. I, I just, right. like, why is that exactly. just not another way that you can be in the world as, as a, him. a man? Right. Because it is. Right. And because it's, it's the truth be. of it. It's the, right. it's yes. the simple truth that's in front of our faces. So right. what's the space between what you just said and the reality of not acknowledging that? What right. is that space? Right. Yeah. I don't know what well, that's I, about. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, so... so Anyway, so I, th- I think we're, go ahead, Seth, please. Well, I was just going to say, I think that that's what we need to talk about the next time. Um, and I yeah. also want to say, mm. I want to put a pin in this and talk about this for the next time or the time after the next, which is when we talk about inherited traditions, uh, ways of addressing strangers, people we do, we do not know when we meet in a public space and we need to figure out v- relatively quickly how to interact with uh, them. Uh, mm-hmm. Traditions are important. And I'll just leave you with this quick anecdote. Years ago, when I was uh, trying to sell, I think it was I was trying to sell an old computer, and I went on Craigslist to do it. And some kid, and I, and I'm assuming it's a child, because the way he addressed me, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's a he because of, of what will follow. Um, the way he addressed me was just kind of petulant and 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 and. And sort of passive aggressive. Basically, I just said, blah, 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 I want to sell this computer. And he responded, yeah, what's the, what's the blah, blah, blah? I I forget what he asked me, but something silly like, yeah, what's the, how much space on the drive? And I said, Mm -hmm. first of all, because I am who I am, I said, first of all, what's your name? My name is Seth. Um, if we're going to just like deal with this thing, I just want to know know your name. He's like, ah, blah, 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 blah. Uh, how much space do you have on the drive? And I said, wait, hold on. And this is over a series of emails, right? I'm like, what's your name? I don't want <laughs> to deal with this interaction if I can't, like, follow, like I just need to know. He's like, and he, and his response was, what's the deal, bro? Like, just sell the computer or something silly like that. And I, because I am who I am, went into this screed where I said, look, it's a simple gesture, but an important one. Like mm-hmm. when in medieval, in the medieval epoch, when people used to meet strangers on the road and they would shake their hands, they would shake each other's hands so they know that they was, didn't have a weapon in that hand. So they mm-hmm. knew, knew that they weren't going to like smash them over the head and try to take their money or their food or their mm-hmm. clothing. Mm-hmm. It's a simple thing, but it's important. We are shaking hands in this moment by exchanging names. That's what this is about. And then I ended it. I was like, I'm not dealing with your stupid ass anymore. But yeah. this is this is to say traditions for interacting with strangers are important. And I think that mm-hmm. where the gender pronoun, gendered pronouns get some people into difficulties that they have a hard time letting go of the old tradition and and embracing a new one because they don't know how exactly to deal with the person who no longer conforms to their sort of bifurcated or Manichaean view of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And on Seth's uh, very eloquent note, 
we will let that <laughs> we will let that conclude the podcast. So, um, and uh, we'll pick it up next week with Unlucky Days, our third Unlucky Days, um, and then obviously returning to the day after that. So, thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you.